Ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for tuning into Wow, what is now almost a year long of Banana Land. This week, uh, we're doing a little banana bite. We're, we're bringing them back from the from their slippery grave. Uh, it's been a little bit on and off here the last couple of weeks as I've looked to kind of, uh, as I've moved my attention into my job a little bit more and things have gotten a little bit busier as springtime is rolling around. Um, but I did want to make sure I got behind the mic today to do a little banana bite about something kind of interesting that you've probably been hearing about all over social media and on TV perhaps and all over the place about NFTs. And no, we're not turning into a finance podcast, but I find these kinds of things really interesting, a non-fungible token. So I'm sure people have seen them and heard of them. Uh, most intriguing of all the NFT folks out there is um, digital marketer and hustle culture guru Gary V, whose NFTs are essentially, I'm not sure if Gary V really takes it seriously or if he's just satirizing an entire population, an entire audience with his NFT work that I've seen. So maybe there's more to come. I, I don't really follow him very closely, but um, they look like children's drawings that he's selling online and giving access to a conference that he'll be hosting. And he's using it in um, multifaceted ways, which is interesting. But the NFT itself to me, you wouldn't, I wouldn't be interested in spending money on or investing in this crypto style artwork. Um, but what is it? What is an NFT? Uh, is a unit of data stored on a digital ledger called a blockchain. Uh, don't ask me what that is. The certificate, it certifies a digital asset to be unique and therefore non-interchangeable. So NFTs can be used to represent items like photos, videos, audio, and other types of digital files. So this banana bite could be sold as an NFT, right? So let's say Joe Schmo buys banana bite episode about NFTs as an NFT for $100. In what world that would happen, who knows? But uh, he could then, it's non-transferable. So he declares 100% ownership over that property and can profit on it in any way that he wants, I believe is how it works. Access to any copy of the original file is not restricted to the buyer of the NFT. While copies of these digital items are available to anyone to obtain, NFTs are tracked on blockchains to provide the owner with a proof of ownership that is separate from copyright. So what we're doing is essentially um, titling, from an automotive perspective, you're titling content. So this is, this is my content and I've sold it as an NFT or I'm offering it as an NFT. And it's, non it's a non-fungible token, so it cannot be replicated, it is mine. Uh, in 2021, there's been an increased interest in NFTs and blockchains like Ethereum, Flow, uh, Bitcoin, Dogecoin, and they have their own standards when it comes to supporting NFTs. Um, but each works to ensure that the digital item represents it's authentically owned and one of a kind. Uh, NFTs are being used as a commodity in digital assets in arts, music, and sports, and other popular entertainment. Uh, you can check out 
there's a bunch of podcasts out there where folks are talking about their experience with sports memorabilia as NFTs and sports photography as NFTs. So never before released images or images that are not currently purchased by any uh, broadcast medium uh, or publication that you can now purchase and have rights to. Um, I'm surprised Major League Baseball hasn't really got in on this because they do restrict so much of their content because uh, they want to monetize it through the league rather than through individual teams and players. So maybe that's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. I'm not, you know, just a thought. Um, the NFT market value tripled in 2020, reaching $250 million. The rise of NFT transactions has also led to increased environmental criticism. The computation-heavy process associated with proof-of-work blockchain, the type primarily used for NFTs, require high-energy inputs that are contributing to global warming. That's an interesting point in this uh, little piece that I'm reading. Um, but to mine any type of digital blockchain, anything associated with blockchain, um, the mining process for it is unbelievable because you're just solving, the computer is solving like very complex equations and that's how it's being rewarded. It's, it's receiving a piece in the blockchain as it completes the chain. Um, but I don't think people really think about the environmental impact. I certainly didn't until just now. Uh, it's interesting to kind of pick apart because there are people with steel containers that are running a hundred GPUs or a hundred processing units to try and mine these different types of digital currencies or digital NFTs. And uh, uh, obviously you're using a tremendous amount of power to the point where some people don't do Bitcoin mining or anything like that because it would the cost of the electricity would outweigh the profit generated by the uh, the actual mining. Um, the carbon emissions produced by the energy to maintain blockchains uh, has forced some folks in the NFT market to rethink some strategy and you know kind of uh, kind of double back maybe. But it's really interesting. The most interesting part of this to me, and hopefully maybe as we go forward here in the next few weeks, someone who hears this would love to come on and explain it to me in a, in a better way. Um, the way it, I think it really came about was with the music industry where artists were tired of being attached to their labels. Because I mean, that's been going on for a hundred years. That's not a new thing where obviously agents and labels and deal makers are walking away with more money than the actual artist himself, which is, you know, seems backwards, and it is. Um, and it's not like, you know, if you're a big and famous artist, if you're like a, a a Kanye West, a Post Malone, a Billie Eilish, if you're one of these new trending artists, up and well, new trending artists, um, you're making money no matter what, because you have multiple streams of income and you're doing live performances, things like that. But if you're just a, there's so much music out there. You go on Spotify or on Apple Music or look up on Google bands that you like and groups that you like and musicians. Um, you could go on and on and on. Everybody makes music now. I could make music. Uh, don't have that talent, but I have the equipment to sit back and sing into the microphone and pretend that I know what I'm doing and try and publish myself online. Um, folks like folks in the in the small arena 
the NFTs might be the best thing that's ever happened because now they can directly own their own content. And as it's shared and as people monetize their content, they're receiving a piece of that monetization. So that's a really interesting part of the NFT structure to me that I, you know, didn't know much about. Um, the other part of NFTs, which is interesting, like I mentioned earlier, it can represent collectibles like cards, but in a digital format, which kind of brings me to my next kind of, we're gonna, we're gonna dip a toe in and then take a toe out. The Pokemon card craze is absolutely at the most fevered pitch I've ever seen or heard, where some Pokemon cards are selling on eBay for thousands of dollars. So if you're, if you're cleaning out your attic, and you were, you know, pretty diligent as a child to keep your cards in decent shape, and you had a little binder with sleeves, you can look in there and have a down payment for a house, potentially. Like I, I did that. I went up into the attic and pulled out my old Pokemon collection, and I had them in a binder with sleeves. And then uh, all first generation from 1995 Pokemon cards that online are selling for a few hundred dollars a piece. It only takes a couple of those for that number to start adding up and up and up and up. And especially in a world today that we live in where people are, you know, big time collectors of things. I don't know where these people get money from to buy a Pokemon card at four or $500, but if they'd like to hand me four or $500, be my guest, reach out to me uh, at Banana Land Pod, at Sound Cozy Jr. on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all over the internet. Um, <laughs> the uh, the NFT craze also is is uh, relatable to kind of what you saw with Counter Strike, which was a game that was around during the '90s. It's still around. CS:GO is still around, but uh, '90s, early 2000s, where the black market for items on Counter Strike got so intense, that people actually were going to prison for laundering money through. Counter-Strike with the value of these gun skins and character skins and kind of just like what you have now in a lot of first-person shooter games. Um, NFTs can be used to represent in-game assets now, such as plots of land, which are controlled by the user rather than the game developer. Um, and NFTs allow for assets to be traded on a third-party marketplace without permission from the game developer. So you own that. Like, you buy that piece of that game. So if I wanted to buy a... a, a 12 by 12 square of, of Skyrim, I can sell that. I can put a little toll up and I can collect Ethereum coin from whoever I want who has to come passing through my area if they want to play the game. So it's really interesting to break it down that way and see that there's a total separation from the actual creators when you purchase that NFT. It's yours. You own it. Uh, in February 2021, Axie Infinity recorded a sale of a $1.5 million digital land title uh, in a sing at a single time. So one sale for a million and a half dollars. There's also an interesting thing with the di in the digital world where we have digital horse races now, where you can purchase these digital these digital horses. It's nuts. I was talking to friend of the pod, Steve Terracone, about it. And one of the most recent uh, news headlines was that a um, $125,000 horse was sold. It's a fake horse on a, on a screen. Like, these horses run, and essentially what it is is a visual, visual representation of uh, Ethereum mining, which is similar to Bitcoin, but it's different. It's an alternate coin. 
but um, that's what they represent. And the best horses mine the best. That's kind of how it goes, but it's represented in a horse track. And people are paying to watch, like people who used to go to a horse track. And they're paying to be involved, and they're buying horses, and they're paying to literally breed horses digitally, where they're buying different pieces, putting them together to quote-unquote breed their horse so that they can compete in this Ethereum race track setting. So crazy. So crazy. Um, let's see. In 2019, Nike acquired a patent that allows for blockchain technology to attach cryptographically secured digital assets in the form of NFTs from physical products, such as a pair of sneakers, under the name of CryptoKicks. So for all the sneaker heads out there, yeah, you could buy digital sneakers. I personally uh, prefer tangible asset, if I can have it, as long as it's in a, a, you know, a good investment. Tangible asset seems in recent times to be decreasing in value depending on what that asset is. I think of immediately uh, automobiles, I think of uh, computers, I think of electronics in general um, to purchase a $30,000 car. Uh, you lose half the value right off the lot. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the tangible asset is not the move to make as we move forward into this new era of, of cryptocurrencies and crypto blockchain assets or maybe maybe you're better off investing in something digital rather than physical uh, on the opposite side of that to play devil's advocate against myself the housing market a tangible asset a liquid asset that you know why it moves widely and it's and right now everything is so inflated because of covid and interest rates and things like that you've heard us talk about it i don't need to explain it again but that's a tangible asset that not only works uh, while you're asleep to gain value because of just the demand in the market, but also you live in it. So it's giving you, it's a dual purpose kind of a thing. Everybody needs somewhere to live. So it's, you know, it's, it's working on both, on both ends. Little history. The first one-off NFT was created in May 3rd, 2014. That's how long it's taken us to actually, actually get here to to where Gary V is selling doodle drawings on V Friends. Um, it was created in 2014 by Kevin McCoy and Anil Dash, live at the Seven on Seven conference at the New Museum in New York City. Uh, the experiment represents the first time a non-fungible tradable blockchain marker was explicit was explicitly via on-chain metadata. I don't know what that means. You don't know what that means, but it's essentially just linking, it says it's linking to a unique artwork. So linking blockchain to artwork. And that's really, uh, it's really kind of wild that it's taken this long for something like this to, to take off. And the buying frenzy has only begun during, it began during COVID and has persisted on and on through 2021. This is just something I find really interesting. I just wanted to kind of share some information with people out there in the banana land about. Uh, you Google NFT and the first thing that, one of the first images that comes up is Nyan Cat, which is kind of great. It's kind of a great callback uh, meme from my childhood. But imagine you can now purchase that. You can purchase that image as an NFT if the owner sells the image. 
My other question for things like that, like memes, like the uh, the burning house meme girl, the little kid, you know, she was a kid then. That was in the early 2000s. She just sold that, the rights to that photo that, as an NFT for like half a million dollars, you know, by happenstance. So what is the value of anything turning into? That's something else that you can dive into also. You know, what is the value of anything? Who's to say what's worth what? How come the U.S. currency isn't backed up by TikTok dances? Maybe someday it will be. You know, it's, it's interesting to see how as society progresses into the future, we are going to value asset because it sounds like you have to be a finance person to understand any of this, but it affects every single American every single day. You know, you could pull up to the gas pump and pay for your gas soon with Bitcoin. And that's not a federally regulated thing. There's no govern government or authority saying this is what it's worth. The people dictate what things are worth. And I think all along, without going too far down the rabbit trail, all along in time, society dictates value always. So whether you're whether you perform a service or have an item or can produce items, um, the value of those items and, and how much you can retail them for and profit on them is solely based on the demand. And the demand is the public. That's a reason that the US currency was based on gold for so long. Who is to say that gold is worth what it's worth? Who is to say that oil is worth, is worth what it's worth? Well, it's hard to get out of the ground and it's um, controlled only in certain areas of the world. And, and, you know, there are political affiliations that come into play. This is something, the beauty of, of crypto and blockchain and anything associated with it is that it can be created by anyone anywhere at any time or solved by anyone anywhere at any time. So there's no like, there's no pigeonhole, pigeonholing on these kinds of things. You just, you go and you do it and then you have it. Um, not saying it, it will be cost effective for the average person, but the average person could could do it. You look at the you look at the explosion of cryptocurrency. You know, I can trade in my bitcoins for U.S. dollars. Someone is willing to give me U.S. dollars, whether it's some big crypto hedge fund or it's you know the bagel store down the road or it's Tesla, where I can buy a Tesla with Bitcoin and maybe Dogecoin soon, a meme coin. So it's really interesting the whole way things are playing out here as we kind of move ahead into what I think will be the second era of space travel. I think we're close to that, like casual space travel, I think will be what we're where we're heading soon. Um, you have people who are already going on commercial flights into outer space, so it's only a matter of time before we do kind of make that jump and rich folks get ahead a little faster than everybody else. Well, a little faster. Holy shit. I'm not going to cut myself short there. Rich folks get ahead a lot faster than the average person. Maybe um, world elites will have a moon base and they'll only buy and sell things in Dogecoin or Ethereum Classic or, you know, XRP or one of these cryptocurrencies. Or maybe you'll buy a banana one day for a piece of art that you created as an NFT. And then that person who sold you that banana can profit off your NFT. You know, it's, it's really interesting to see how the whole thing will play out. So it's, it's a great time to be creative. It's a great time to take chances and it's a great time to innovate. 
and as you know this is always a great time to innovate but i think now more so than ever i think there's a lot of opportunity online for people even though as a, a world we're kind of in some dire straits coming through this whole pandemic and still dealing with a lot of the repercussions of that and and dealing with the political fallout and and the social civil unrest between everyone it's you know it's it's wild to watch and you know just to, today or yesterday you have a, a hack of an oil pipeline and gas is going to be five dollars a gallon and we live in such an unprecedented world so to take the risk on something as as profit laden as this could be is not really that much of a risk at all so just keep that in mind as you see these things casually a lot of people don't want to get involved with them and that's fine but you know now you know a little bit more about it and i know a little bit more about it uh for what it really is so if you'd like to get on the podcast i'm doing a public call for guests um I do it every so often. I've probably done it more recently than I have in the past, but it's been really hard for me to keep up with um, booking guests and finding times between um, working, because I'm working from nine to five, an hour away from home. Um, by the time you get home, it's like six or seven o'clock. Some people are on their way to work. Some people are doing their side hustles. Some people are with their family or their friends or um, whatever their situation may be. So it's getting a little bit more difficult for me to get guests as we go on and on into the future here. So if you'd like to be a guest and you have a, you know, decent schedule during the, I, I can accommodate for most evenings on during the week and on the weekend. So um, I would love to sit down and chit chat with people. Tell me your life story. Tell me something that interests you. Educate me on something. I would love for somebody who is, you know, more well-versed in, anything to sit and tell me I'm wrong about something or change my opinion on a particular issue or anything. I'm really open to a lot. Um, I want it to be a platform that people can kind of advertise themselves to. So if you have, if you're a creative person or you're a business owner or you're in anything, it doesn't have to be a plug, plug, plug fest, but um, I'd love to talk to you about how, who, what, when, how, where, and why you're doing what you're doing and, you know, break down for people your process and how, what I feel is a good process. And I'm just the, I'm just the, uh, the border collie leading the conversation through the gates. So reach out to us on all social media at Banana Lamp Pod. Um, and we'll see you next time, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in.